0: Hi, my name is Katie, I'm currently a sophomore, and today I'll be reading The Red Queen by Victoria Abyard. I like this book because it tells a thrilling tale that really captivated me and includes both action, drama, and romance all in one plot. Here I'll be starting the first chapter. I hate First Friday. It makes the village crowded, and now, in the heat of high summer, that's the last thing anyone wants. From my place in the shade, it isn't so bad. But the stink of bodies, all sweating with the morning work, is enough to make milk curdle. The air shimmers with heat and humidity, and even the puddles from yesterday's storm are hot, swirling with rainbow streaks of oil and grease. The market deflates, with everyone closing up their stalls for the day. The merchants are distracted, careless, and it's easy for me to take whatever I want from their wares. By the time I'm done... My pockets bulged with trinkets, and I've got an apple for the road. Not bad for a few minutes' worth. As a throng of people moves, I let myself be taken away by the human current. My hands dart in and out, always fleeting touches. Some paper bills from a man's pocket, a bracelet from a woman's wrist. Nothing too big. Villagers are too busy shuffling along to notice a pit pocket in their midst. The high buildings for which the village is named the silts very original rise all around us 10 feet above the muddy ground in the spring the lower bank is underwater but right now it's august when dehydration and sun sickness stalk the village almost everyone looks forward to the first friday of each month when work and school end early but not me no i'd rather be in school learning nothing in a classroom of children. Not that I'll be in school much longer. My 18th birthday is coming, and with it, conscription. I'm not apprentice. I don't have a job. So I'm going to be sent to the war like all the other idle ones. It's no wonder there's no work left. What, with every man, woman, and child trying to stay out of the army? My brothers went to war when they turned 18. All three of them sent to fight Lakelanders. Only Shade can write worth a lick, and he sends me letters when he can. I haven't heard from any of my other brothers, Bree and Trammy, in over a year, but no news is good news. Families can go years without hearing a thing, only to find their sons and daughters waiting on the front doorstep, home on leave, or sometimes blissfully discharged. But usually, you receive a letter, made of heavy paper, paper, stamped with the king's crown seal below a short thank you for your child's life. Maybe you even get a few buttons from their torn, obliterated uniforms. I was thirteen when Bree left. He kissed me on the cheek and gave me a single pair of earrings for my little sister, Jiza, and gave me to split. They were dangling glass beads, the hazy pink color of sunset. We pierced our ears ourselves that night. Trammy and Shade kept up the tradition when we went. Now, Giza and I have one ear set each with three tiny stones to remind us of our brothers fighting somewhere. I didn't really believe they'd have to go, not until the legionnaire in his polished armor showed up and took them away one after another. And this fall, they'll come for me. I've already started saving and stealing to buy Giza some earrings when I go. Don't think about it. That's what Mom always says, about the army, about my brothers, about everything. Great advice, Mom. Down the street, at the crossing of Mill and Marcher roads, the crowd thickens and more villagers join the current. A gang of kids, little thieves in training, flutters through the fray with sticky, searching fingers. They're too young to be good at it, and security officers are quick to intervene. Usually the kids would be sent to the stocks or the jail at the outpost but the officers want to see you First Friday. They settle for giving the ringleaders a few harsh knocks before letting them go. Small mercies. The tiniest pressure at my waist makes me spin, acting on instinct. I grab the hand foolish enough to pit pocket me, squeezing tight so the little imp won't be able to run away. But instead of a scrawny kid, I find myself staring at a smirking face. Kyler and Warren, a fisherman's apprentice, a war orphan, and probably my only real friend. We used to beat each other up as children, but now that we're older, and he's a foot taller than me, I try to avoid scuffles. He has his uses, I suppose. Reaching high shelves, for example. You're getting faster, he chuckles, shaking off my grip. Or you're getting slower. He rolls his eyes and snatches the apple out of my hand. Are we waiting for Giza, he asks, taking a bite of the fruit? She has a past for the day, working. Then let's get going. Don't want to miss the show. And what a tragedy that would be. Tsk, tsk, mare, he teases, shaking a finger at me. This is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be a warning, you dumb fool. But he's already walking off with his long strides, forcing me almost trot to keep up. His gait weaves, off balance. Sea legs, he calls them, though he's never been to the far off sea. I guess long hours on his master's fishing boat, even on the river, are bound to have some effect. Like my dad, Killoran's father was sent off to wharf, But whereas mine returned with a missing leg and a lung, Mr. Warren came back in his shoebox. Killoran's mother ran off after that, leaving her young son fend for himself. He almost starved to death, but somehow kept picking fights with me. I fed him so that I wouldn't have to kick around a bag of bones. And now, ten years later, here he is. At least he's apprenticed and won't face the war. We get to the foot of the hill, where the crowd is thicker, pushing and prodding on all sides. First Friday attendance is mandatory, unless you are, like my sister, an essential laborer. As if embroidering silk is essential. But the Silvers love their silk, don't they? Even the security offers, a few of them anyway, can be bribed with pieces sewn by my sister. Not that I know anything about that. The shadows around us deepen as we climb up the stone stairs toward the crest of the hill. Kylorn takes them two at a time, almost leaving me behind, but he stops to wait. He smirks down at me and tosses a lock of faded, tawny hair out of his green eyes. Sometimes I forget you have the legs of a child. Better than the brain of one, I snap, giving him a light smack on the cheek as I pass. His laughter follows me up the stairs. You're grouchier than usual. I just hate these things. I know, he murmurs solemn for once. And then we're in the arena, the sun blazing hot overhead. Built ten years ago, the arena is easily the largest structure in the silts. It's nothing compared to the colossal one built in the cities. But still, the soaring arches of steel, the thousands of feet of concrete, are enough to make a village girl catch her breath. Security officers are everywhere. their black and silver uniforms standing out in the crowd. This is First Friday, and they can't wait to watch the proceedings. They carry long rifles or pistols, though they don't need them. As is customary, the o- officers are silvers, and silvers have nothing to fear from us reds. Everyone knows that. We are not their equals, though you wouldn't know it from looking at us. The only thing that serves to distinguish us Outwardly, at last, at least, is a silver stand tall. Our backs are bent by work and unanswered hope and the inevitable disappointment with our lot in life. Inside the open-tossed arena is just as hot as out, and Kylorn, always on his toes, lends me to some shade. We don't get seats here, just long concrete benches, but the few silver nobles up above enjoy cool, comfortable boxes. There they have drinks, food, ice even, in high summer, cushioned chairs, electric lights, and other comforts I'll never enjoy. The Silvers don't bat an eyelash at it, complaining about the wretched conditions. I'll give them wretched conditions if I ever have the chance. All we get are hard benches and a few screechy video screens that are too bright and too noisy to stand. Bet you a day's wages that's another strong arm today, Kyloren says tossing an apple core towards the arena floor? No bet, I shoot back at him. Many reds gamble their earnings on the fights, hoping to win a little something to help them get them through another week. But not me, not even with Kylorn. It's easier to cut the bookie's purse than to try to win money from it. You shouldn't waste your money like that. It's not a waste if I'm right. I'm always a strong arm beating up on someone. Strong arms usually make up at least one half of the fights. Their skills and abilities better suited to the arena than almost any other silver. They seem to revel in it, using their superhuman strength to toss other champions around like rag dolls. What about the other one? I asked, thinking of the range of silvers that could appear. Telkies, swifts, nymphs, greenies, stone skins. All of them terrible to watch. Not sure. Hopefully something cool. I could use some fun. Kylorn and I don't really see eye to eye on the feats of First Friday. For me, watching two champions rip each other is not enjoyable. But Kylorn loves it. Let them ruin each other, he says. They're not our people. He doesn't understand what feats are about. This isn't mindless entertainment, meant to give us some respite by grueling work. This is calculated, cold, a message. Only silvers can fight in the arenas because only a silver can survive them. So if you want to hear the rest of the book, you could continue to hear about how merbau's world is divided by blood, those with red and those with silver. Continue reading the book if you want to hear more.